You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's playoff time. And you know what that means, big stakes and even bigger promotions. Every day of the basketball playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. Want to know the best part? It's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings' free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to Pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. That's promo code THPN for a limited time, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. the Broadway Boys podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 54, as I am officially moved into my new home. The Rangers have a new head coach, and the NHL playoffs are once again something to remember because we have the Montreal Canadiens with a 2-1 lead over the Vegas Golden Knights, and we have the Battle of the East with the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Islanders tied up at two games apiece, which will probably go seven. But first, I got to ask Andy, how are you doing, my friend? A little banged up. Uh, not used to, <laughs> with the pandemic, not used to going out and especially going out to the bar and circumstances had it that two days in a row I was out uh, having some drinks with people. Um, and yeah, so I'm definitely not used to it yet. Not that I was ever really used to it, but I'm definitely feeling it more because it was preceded by, what, a year and a half of relative inactivity in that area. And, you know, when you're talking to people and you're having a good time and you just keep putting them down without paying mind to what you're doing, yeah, it can uh, 
yeah, it could be bad news bears, but um, you know, like I said, a little banged up today, but I'm I'm okay, all things considered. Well, you know, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I I'm a little banged up too, but for a different reason. I had to move all my stuff into my house today, and again, you know, with our job being a little bit of a a, a manual labor. I, which I haven't done in a while because I've gone to the soft side of, uh, you know, driving. My body is certainly not used to moving in and I am hurting in a different way. My body is completely sore. My lower back is killing me. And it's just been uh, a long couple of days. And, but I'm, I'm glad that we got a chance to, you know, do this uh, podcast on Father's Day. So all the fathers out there, if you're listening, happy Father's Day. And uh, I'm sitting, Andy, in my, I got to send you a picture. In fact, I'll tweet this. Uh, They had like a toy room and one of the walls is just a beach scene. So I might as well be doing this on uh, basically maybe on the coast of like Hawaii or something. So uh, yeah, new podcast setup. I'll send you a picture. You should leave it. Oh, I'm definitely leaving it. See, you know what I had to do, Andy? I had to slowly integrate into my wife's head that. You know, this is just kind of a spare room for now. So let's leave this room alone until we do the rest of the house, which is my way of being like, we're not touching this wall <laughs> and I'm going to wait long enough and hopefully you forget it. So, yeah, uh, it, yeah. it becomes uh, your, your podcast villa. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it is basically a villa. Nice. Um, so uh, that's where I stand right now. I know uh, I missed last podcast and we didn't get a chance to talk about you know, the Rangers getting Gerard Gallant, but, you know, I'm super excited. Uh, obviously not shock, shocking. We knew the Rangers would probably make a decision before um, the, you know, the draft and everything like that. So, um, you know, Andy, I want to hear your initial thoughts when you, you know, saw the headlines that the New York Rangers came to an agreement with Gerard Gallant. Yeah, like you said, not unexpected based on everything we had heard, but obviously very pleased. There was a part of me that was a little bit worried that, They'd end up either uh, Gallant would get snatched up by another team and then they'd have to hire like Rick Tockett or something. Uh, No offense to Rick Tockett. I just don't think he's the same caliber of coach of uh, Gerard Gallant. Um, We also knew that they were trying to see if there was a chance that Brendan Moore would shake loose in Carolina, but that sounds like that was never going to happen. You know, for him, he it's either. Carolina or nowhere else and he his main only his main sticking point was just making sure his assistants got paid and apparently they worked it out he signs his extension and I think once the Rangers got wind that it was all you know a, but a foregone conclusion that uh Rod Brindamore was going to resign in Carolina yeah they put they got uh, Gallant to put pen to paper and they made it official and like I said I'm happy I think it's uh especially where with everything that's come out about how some of the vets on this Rangers team, and I use that term loosely because a lot of those, these guys aren't even in their thirties yet, but um, yeah, that he'd kind of lost their ear a bit and that they were just kind of doing their own thing. And because Quinn is a, a bit of a micromanager. Uh, so obviously when you're coaching college kids, that obviously probably part of it is just trying to pick you know, correct habits and posture, but not adjusting when you get to the national hockey league at least at all or you know and listen i wasn't there i don't know what he was doing but it just sounds like the older guys were like yeah okay buddy and then they just continued to go out and play their their pond hockey style that they were kind of playing you know so by all accounts gallant is a very supremely good motivator of players 
Like players love the guy. He's, you know, he can be firm when he needs to be, but at the same time, he's like, he just guys want to play for him. And that seems to follow him wherever. There was a nice uh, article in the New York Post. I think it was probably, I mean, it was probably Larry, right? Uh, but they had an interview with Yarmir Yager, who was with Gerard in Florida. And he said, you know, he's, he played, uh, even at like when Yager was, I forget how old he was at the time, since his early 40s, he still put up 60 points on kind of a, a burgeoning um, Florida Panthers team with a younger Barkov and a younger Hooper Doe. So, yeah, kind of similar circumstances. And they made the, the playoffs that year. Um, and, yeah, it's just that he's a guy that clearly the players love and he gets the most out of them. And he's not a big X's and O's guy like Quinn wasn't, but he has great assistance. Usually that's his deal. He surrounds himself with very good assistants who can... Who, yeah, who helped hammer that home, and he's more of a big picture guy. And I think, you know, especially coming from a guy who might have been a little too focused on the minor details at times, that uh, kind of uh, maybe graded players in different ways. It'll be nice to have someone who's just big picture, but at the same time, you want to be, uh, yeah, you want to play for. And you know, I mean, there's a there's obviously a balance, right? Because you have people like Alain Vigneault who are very hands off, but sometimes it to their own detriment where it's like they're not even a presence and they only come in to like say this or that and then there's not much of a structure in play outside of like we're stretching the ice and this and that so yeah you have to have the, make sure you have assistants that can really be friends with the boys and hammering uh, the details but then you're you're coaching the big picture but you have to make sure you're you have them ready to play and that seems to be his best skill so it's clearly a good fit for the rangers i think just looking at where they are at in their development curve um yeah, and I mean, his track record kind of speaks for itself. Uh, in his last few stops, every, everywhere he goes, he has some some success. He does end up not staying longer than three years, but then we've heard stories about he just doesn't, he has his opinions about his roster and how he should utilize it and how it should be constructed. And I think he lets the front office know that. And who knows, I think maybe some some GMs maybe take that the wrong way or they just don't appreciate the input, but we'll, we'll see, you know, Chris Drury is a pretty professional guy and I think I'm sure there's some mutual respect there. So yeah, I, I don't think it should be, I think it should be a good fit. Yeah. And I agree. And you know, the one move that the Rangers made, you know, with the head coaching position and bringing him in is it, he was the best coach available and I'm glad they went out and they got him because the Rangers were looking for someone who, had experience, can manage a locker room, has, you know, immediate respect amongst the players that are already rostered on a team, especially from the veterans. And, you know, I think he probably has a relationship with some of these players because, you know, he's been around the block and I'm just happy that the New York Rangers have an, uh, an established head coach and it's not an experiment. It's not, well, let's see what he can bring. It's not, well, he needs to teach the kids. It's, no, he's here to coach an NHL hockey team. And I think the Rangers are ready, are ready for that. And I know we have a lot of young kids that might need development. And I don't think he's afraid of that challenge. And I certainly don't think he feels like that will prohibit him from having the success that he thinks he can have with this roster. He saw the Rangers make up prior to making a decision of going there because it's a two-way street. You know, Gerard Gallant had to pursue the Rangers as well. You know, he had the interviews. He probably uh, discussed his long-term game plan with the team over the next four years because I believe he signed a four-year deal. And, you know, I think, you know, 
the Rangers knew that this this guy was, you know, he had the right mindset, he had the right philosophy, and you know, here's a coach that, you know, everywhere he's gone over the last what six years, three years with the Panthers, three years with the Golden Knights, he's been a winner. He's coached those teams above 500, and you know, I think those teams also too were sort of like they're how the Rangers are built now, where they're right on the cusp of being a real true contender. And, you know, maybe, you know, his two cents was just, you know, go out and get those, you know, bigger names where maybe the Golden Knights weren't ready to make that leap just yet and spend some big dollars. And and the Florida Panthers, I don't know if, you know, the owner and, and management was willing to make those big, you know, transaction moves to get, you know, uh, you know, player X to put them over the hump. And that frustration and, you know, uh, you know, that uh, distance between the, the head coach and the management can really, you know, drive a team, you know, apart and, and, and relationship apart. And maybe that's why he left. And, you know, I hope he had the conversation with Drury where he's like, you know, in a couple of years from now, if we were right there, you know, I need you to, to pull the trigger on, you know, maybe bringing in, you know, the X factor that will put us over the hump for, you know, a, a Stanley cup. Cause that, that should ultimately be the goal over the next five years is to at least win a Stanley cup because the foundation is there. The coaching now is there. Uh, the management is in place. And I think we're confident, Andy, you and I especially are confident that the pieces are kind of all lining up together right now uh, for a run over the next four years with Gallant, where we can, we can and should be competing for a Stanley Cup. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I mean, you look at some of uh, the older players on like let's say the Montreal Canadiens where now you have a fourth line that has Eric Stahl and Corey Perry on it and yeah you can call that depth but at the same time those two guys are not the players they once were but uh that being said because they're well coached and they have a good system in place and they're well motivated you know Perry's been playing his best hockey of the year and he's playing you know he's helped assisting on important goals and yeah, he's just playing a very effective style. And again, that's something where he's a guy you could definitely consider like an X factorist type player where you're like, oh man, yeah. is this guy worth anything? But in the right circumstances, they absolutely are. And that playoff experience is invaluable because, I mean, we talk on this podcast all the time about confidence and being there and belief. And he's a guy who's been to that dance before. He's, you know, he's got a Stanley Cup under his belt. He's played in the postseason a couple of times. Um, and yeah, and I think to your point, when Gallant is usually has very particular about the construction of his lineup and he knows what guys he needs to help his whole team walk taller, even if it's something on paper, it's like, oh, well, maybe you're this person is not the best skill guy or making plays or doing this, but there's just whatever, for whatever reason, having them in the lineup is has a trickle down effect. And it's just one of those things that's a little bit harder to quantify you know, you just end up winning more games. And yeah, I mean, you, I do, I obviously, I assume there's been a lot of back and forth talking about how the roster is currently constructed. Uh, you have to assume that it's not going at the end of next season. It's not going to look how it looks right as it looks as we record this podcast. There will be changes made, you know, especially with all the young prospects the Rangers have, but also the possibility of trading some of those prospects and picks for more uh, i guess playoff ready talent if that makes any sense and i i really do think that 
that that everything that went wrong this season, this past season with the Rangers from, and even though it was no no fault of their own, but again, once again, just getting close but not close enough. Yeah, I think that those are the things that really motivate you. Whereas, like, if everything went right for them and they got close and still didn't get in, yeah, I don't know. You could maybe chalk it up to, oh, we're getting older, we're we're getting bigger. But the fact that you can say, like, you know what, man, like we really got we really got screwed or if only, you know, Mika didn't get COVID and Panarin didn't have like a political, you know, smear campaign and all these other things. <laughs> and our, you know, our, our, we are, we didn't have an implosion in the lock behind the scenes in our locker room. Uh, yeah. I think you can kind of look at that and say, you know what? It's like, we, we now out of the gate next year, we need to make sure that whether or not they're maybe ready to be in this, that spot, like they have to, they can come out, you know, just with something to prove and to make sure it doesn't happen again, especially understanding how much having difficulty early in the year can affect you. So, uh, yeah. And I mean, that's also, that's also with, you know, younger guys getting more comfortable Lafreniere clearly, it clearly kind of clicked for him as the, the season went on, you know, he had, it was a hard adjustment at first, especially, you know, young kid, the, the NHL is a hard adjustment anyway, but young kid, um, no preseason, no preseason to get get his feet wet and just get ready for game one, and yeah, just he had to figure out kind of the timing and the pace. But once he did, you know, towards the end of the season, he was assists and goals and buckets. So uh, he should be more comfortable, and he should also probably. You, we've talked about this before. You know, he's going to take a, a more a bigger. I, I, I use leadership loosely because it's only his second year in the league, but he's going to make himself more of a voice on that team you can tell and i think that's for the better of this team you know what i mean yeah no absolutely and if you look out you know the new york rangers forwards are constructed right now i mean the only two players that actually have term are panarin and Kreider. and and you know you know those guys are going to be here for a long time but you know if chris Kreider hasn't gotten the c yet he probably won't be getting the c and and i hope you know lafreniere kind of looks at this this team and, and looks around the locker room and says like, well, why not me? Why, why can't I be the leader of this team? I've been a leader on every single team I've ever been on. I've always been the best player in the league. And, uh, you know, now I'm here, I'm in the NHL, I'm on a young team. You know, why not? Why not me? Why can't I take over as the leader in this locker room? Why can't, you know, the, the, you know, the fellows look up to me, you know, and, uh, and you really did see his comfortability, you know, is comfortability a word? I think it might be. We'll go with it anyway. And, you know, as the season progressed, he just got more comfortable. Uh, you saw his attitude from the beginning of the season uh, to the end where, you know, he became more, you know, joking and, and playful and just more comfortable. And as you saw that, you saw the point production and just his, you know, production everywhere on the ice just kind of, you know, a trend upwards. And that's what you need. And, you know, I hope, you know, Capo Caco can continue his projection because uh, from last year to this year, oh my God, I mean, what a difference that player made. And, you know, I, and, and if you look, you know, if you look at our veteran players, you know, Panarin's established, but he, I don't know if he's really captain material. I don't know if he's really got the voice. I think he's more of like, let me play my game. Let me do my thing. And, you know, everything will, around me will take care of itself. Uh, Chris Kreider is just too inconsistent. Mika Zibanejad hasn't signed anything. Uh, I would imagine that he does, but 
you know, he still has next year and he's an unrestricted free agent. So the talks of him and his agent and the Rangers should be starting soon, I would imagine. And then, you know, fill in the blanks with the rest of the lineup because I don't know if anyone else will uh, has a permanent spot on this roster. So um, even Krasov, I don't see as being safe. So if you look at it right now, you have Panarin, Kreider, Zibanejad, Kako, and Lafreniere are the only forwards right now that are listed, even on Cat Friendly, that I would uh, pencil in as having a permanent spot on this roster. And, and I use the word permanent very, very loosely because you just never know right now. Um, and if you look on the defensive end, uh, besides, you know, Truba, Fox, uh, and, and, and Lindgren, I, I don't really know if, if they make a bit, Rangers make a big splash, if they'd be willing to move K Andre, I hope not, or, you know, Zachary Jones or, you know, Lieber Hayek or Brendan Smith. I, I don't know. I don't know what the Rangers plans are with some of these on the cusp players. So I, I think this off season is really going to be very telling, uh, especially, uh, you know, as we get as we approach the draft in July, you know, I think the Rangers are going to be making a lot of moves. I think you're going to see some extensions in terms of contracts. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, the Rangers are smart with the construction of this lineup because you could see we're not too far off. If Montreal can do it, we're certainly a few pieces away from being uh, a contender. And you know how the NHL playoffs are. It doesn't really matter where you finish in the regular season. Once you get to the playoffs, man, everyone can compete. It's um, you know, Andy, I saw, I forget who it was on Twitter, put out a, a chart of the success rate of the higher seed in the playoffs for all the major sports. And it was like basketball was at like 80%. So the higher seed wins 80% of the time. The NHL was like the higher seed wins like 50% of the time. It, it was wild. And just to see that disparity between between the leagues and it's nothing that we don't know but you know the nhl playoffs are a toss-up and if you can just get there you have a shot yeah and i i you know it's one of these things where there's a lot of especially with the great debate in hockey about analytics and their effectiveness i mean i think it's like you said the goal is to that consistency and, and positive trends can help you into you know during the regular season to actually make the playoffs because it is long it's 82 games which is a a large sample size however once you're in even if on paper going into it you're like you might seem like you're the weakest team if you let's say you have Carey price in net and he decides to to turn back the clock a little bit all of a sudden you find yourself in the final four or you know you just happen to play on your your route there you happen to play some teams that have uh are porous in some areas, even though they can maybe be supremely talented offensively, but are not the most stout defensively. And yeah, it becomes a series of coin flips and you can find your just a little bit of luck and some good goaltending and look where you can end up, you know? So, and that's the thing that you watch a lot of these teams and we saw it with the Rangers in 2014 where they were, you know, they were pretty much what one or two games away from uh, getting bounced from the first round when uh, Martin and St. Louis' mother passed away. Yep. The whole team kind of ra- rallied a- a- around him. They said, let's win this next game, and they did. 
And they were able to come back and win that series. And they got better as the playoffs went along, you know? I mean, obviously, ultimately, you saw they, they got out a bit outclassed in, in the cup final versus the Kings. They just didn't have, the, you know, they didn't have a stronger roster. But it just, yeah, you can play. Uh, you can play a little bit over your head a bit um, in those situations, you know, once you get in. And those things, th- those experiences are valuable because that carries over. And then usually those teams like, the next year, well, like the Rangers win the President's Trophy the next year, and it becomes a you know the only reason they get ousted is they lose in seven, they lose a game seven to Tampa in the in the conference final, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's like you said, just getting in. Once you get in, anything can happen. So that should definitely be their goal next season. Uh, I assume the divisions are going to revert to what they want they used to be. So you know, don't have to deal with Boston, which is good. Uh, but you don't have now it's like you're not playing the Sabres anymore, which is uh, bad. And you have to play Carolina, which is also bad. Uh, but you're I also going to be playing the rest of the league. And yeah, well, know. that that's the that's the huge thing, you know. And like I said, Columbus, who knows what they're going to look like? You know, uh, they lost uh, they lost Dubois. Now Seth Jones probably wants out. So they don't even know who their coach is, so they're going to be kind of rebuilding. So that helps at least for playing them a couple times a season. And like you said, now you do get a chance to play the Ottawa Senators and the Anaheim Ducks, and uh, you know some of these other teams that are Nashville might be rebuilding. Who knows? But uh, yeah, it's just all these other teams that are or the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. So yeah, and that definitely helped helps your case. You know, you, and again, like I said earlier, the Rangers can maybe say we were a little bit of victim of circumstance, even if it's not necessarily true. It, that's what you can sell yourself and use that to, to have some confidence going into the season. Did you know that your favorite band also loves your favorite hockey team? If you love hockey and you love music, you're going to love Bar Down Breakdown, a podcast that explores the crossover between alternative music and the sport we love, hockey. Every NHL player wants to be in a band. And every band guy wants to be an, 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 you know, a pro athlete. With guests from all over the globe, come along with us as we interview some of the most captivating names in alternative music and talk about why we love hockey and how it's influenced us. You know, there was a, for a few seconds, I thought, like, well, maybe we should wear a Montreal jersey. Then the NHL was like, mm, I think you should stay neutral. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, yeah, you know what? You're probably right. So tune in every Tuesday on the Hockey Podcast Network where we'll have a brand new guest and a unique look into the bridge between hockey and music. Yeah, all right. So one question I had for you, because I think some moves will be made before the draft. I think they'll have to end up moving that first round pick if they want to bring in some some talent. Um, Now that, you know, Gallant is established, he's the New York Rangers head coach for the next four years. What do you think the conversations are being had with the roster right now? And do you think moves uh, will be made uh, prior to the draft? Mm. Regarding like some of our bigger names, like, you know, we have a couple of restricted free agents. We have, you know, Philip and Buchnevich to that are, you know, two huge pieces of our roster right now. And they are listed as restricted free agents. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Pavel Buchnevich makes it, uh, the whole summer before getting traded. I don't know when it's going to happen, but there's a part of me that thinks it might happen. I, I do think the Rangers have genuinely cooled off on Eichel unless some it, the cost becomes less prohibitive. We know Buffalo wants to, to trade him 
uh, out west. They prefer to. They don't want to have to deal with him more than they have to. Uh, and yeah, I mean, of one name, like I've heard that LA has had a significant interest in Buchnevich in the past. And we know they have a glut of center depth, or at least in their system, which the Rangers could use. Um, and But again, also the Rangers, the one thing they lack in their system is defensive depth. And lo and behold, the Rangers have a lot. So they seem to be perfect trading partners. So who knows? Maybe there could be some package of Buchnevich in a you know, a, you know, and a forward, uh, or excuse me, an, an Rangers defensive prospect for, uh, one of their higher touted center prospects. Obviously they're not going to give away Byfield and probably not Turcotte unless you really made it worth their while. But, uh, like a guy like Rasmus Kapari is, uh, close to cracking the NHL and looks like he'd be a damn good center in the, in this league one day. So at least a top six center. So yeah, I think there, there's a deal to be made there. Um, you know, I, Ryan Strom, like I flip on a lot because I do think the, my only danger is I think Panarin likes to play with Strom a lot because he's a guy he feels he can keep up with him, you know, and I, uh, it, you know, unless he, you're making him a winger full time and you're slotting someone else in the center. Although the other thing that we didn't talk about with Gallant is that in his systems, traditionally, it's very, it's not it's not his systems usually tend to be not so traditional with like winger center responsibilities it's usually just like first man in on the puck so after the initial face off it kind of just all becomes just based on who's got down low duties and who's you know first man in on puck and who's f1 and who's f3 which could help a lot you know where all of a sudden if a, a more simplistic thing system like david quinn has is, is taxing a guy who maybe shouldn't be in that, those situations like orion strobe or who's just not it's not his bag you know uh it might not be as big of an issue but we'll see i mean you hope Heedle takes a step at some point if he's going to remain with this team where he could maybe slot between a strom and panera and if strom is going to stay um but yeah this team has too many wingers so you have to assume that I, I do assume Buchnevich is going to get chipped out at some point. You, I do wonder if, even though they have so many young D-men knocking on the door, there does is a part of me that feels they might trade for a veteran defenseman to kind of help stabilize, but one who is like not not a Jack Johnson uh, because that, uh, which is funny because I almost forgot they signed him, which is good because when he, they initially signed him, I was getting like, oh no, this is Girardi and Stahl all over again. But yeah. uh, he really didn't play too much. And I can't really say he negatively affected the Rangers. Like, he wasn't great, but um, it didn't really, yeah, you know. It well, didn't towards, really... the end, towards the end, Jack Johnson wasn't even a factor. No, he didn't team. play, so. Yeah, and he got hurt, and that was probably the best thing that could have happened to him because it kind of just let him ride out in the sunset. And, and honestly, I, if you looked at our D last year as a whole, I didn't think they were really a problem. Like considering the inconsistency of our lineup back there, you know, and in not having, you know, I'll call him playoff Truba, you know, every day, you know, every, every game, I really thought it wasn't too bad. Like, I really don't think like that. Those were the reasons why we lost games. I just thought collectively as a team, we would just played lethargic and just didn't, had a lack of energy and just had really slow starts and you know, and when you're a young team, it's tough to play catch up hockey. And I felt like those are the games that we really lost. It wasn't because, oh man, like, you know, Kendra Miller really killed us. You know, that's a rookie mistake. You know, I, I really didn't, 
get that sense watching the Rangers last year. Um, but with that, you know, kind of that being said, I, I, I agree with you with bringing in maybe another veteran defenseman, but I, I don't know at, at what cost, you know, and, and, and who would you ship away? Is there a free agent that you kind of have in the back of your head right now uh, to bring in? Hmm. Trying to think. Someone. <clears throat> Seth Jones. <laughs> I don't want them to bring in Seth Jones. No, uh, I know. I know. I, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I do wonder if like, especially what about team... a, like a Dumba, like I, I know. Well, he's... Yeah, no, I mean, I think Dumba, Dumba is obviously a great player. I, I just think in terms of thinking about things that are cost prohibitive and like not having to, to, you know, take, pick apart too much of your roster to get. Cause I, I think you even see it now that some of the, the players that are stepping up in the postseason for some of these teams are. Yeah, they they definitely were guys that weren't had for you know a lot. I do wonder if like, let's say Nashville is like, all right, we're 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 got, we gotta we gotta redo our entire roster, you know. So maybe Matias Ekholm does become available. You know, he's a bit older mm-hmm. guy, but he's a good damn good defenseman and he's solid and he plays a style that yeah I think is a little bit lost on you know the the obviously you have Adam Fox and who is supremely talented and and Lindgren, but I think he just need those guys that basically you know not i don't obviously worry about him on fox but for the rest of those guys they even jacob truba is like look you follow me steady eddie yeah it's it's boring low event hockey and maybe my numbers don't look overwhelming when you look at them but then i just don't i just play the right way and i don't give anything up and then you look at the islanders now and how players like pollock and pellick play and just yeah they just make all the right decisions they're not and they just they get it done just by being consistent or even like a Ryan McDonough in his prime, kind of the same thing where it was like, you know, not offensive forces. I think we've gotten so used to the past few seasons between Fox and Tony D'Angelo and just having more scoring for the back end. But it's like just these just solid eating up minutes and just not giving any, you know, only maybe making only one egregious mistake a night, you know, where we're used to having a bunch of rookies where, you know, Andre will make a bad pinch or, uh, um, yeah, or Truba will, will do something a little boneheaded or, you know, <laughs> we even, you know, even seeing Brady Shea make some mistakes for Carolina in the postseason. It's just, yeah, I just, I do think that it's one of those things where having a guy like that bring, it makes everyone a little bit more confident. And, you know, who knows? Eventually, that spot because, like I said, you will have players in the in the AHL. You will have Braden Schneider and Matthew Robertson probably <laughs> knocking on the door. And you know, Zach Jones was excellent in the World Championships, and he seemed to get more comfortable as time went on. So, who knows if he can put on a little bit more uh, strength and work on his first step? And but yeah, I, I just and listen, I I think you ice the best roster you have, and obviously, I think Zach Jones could be a very good offensive defenseman in this league. I just there is a part of me that thinks like are we do we almost have too many of those types of players like Nils Lungfist is a little bit more well-rounded so I do think he has a spot in this lineup and I hope they at least see what he can do for the Rangers before trading him away because I think he can be a special uh prospect and player in this league but yeah you do have to wonder if, if Zach Jones as long as Adam Fox is gonna you know eat up some primary ice time does he become to have a player with his offensive capabilities has become a little bit redundant at some point, you know? So we'll see though, you know, that's the, we'll see how these things shake out. But to, I guess in a long winded way to answer your first question. Yeah, I do. I do think they might 
try to hone in on. Obviously, some more bottom six, uh, solid grinder depth, and not not just bargain basement. You know, guys that actually seem to have a little bit more of a, a track record, and you know, also some established uh, help on the back end. Yeah, and I think that will help stabilize things. And you know, the one thing you know, Andy, one of our problems last year was our cold starts, right? Constantly we would fall behind early. Uh, even, you know, some games we'd even uh, collapse at the, you know, the last, you know, 10 minutes of the game and, and give up points, especially to Pittsburgh in the beginning of the season. And that could have been a difference maker towards the end of the year when, uh, you know, we were just a few points out. And then obviously, you know, the wheels just fell off and, and uh, we lost like our last like five, six games. But anyway, you know, Andy, what do you think? What do you think will be addressed in terms of, you know, maybe the cold starts and the, um, you know, uh, are collapsing at towards the end of end of the games? Do you think that was a coaching issue that Gallant will be able to address? Or do you think that's uh, the inexperience of, you know, some of the players on this hockey team? Sorry, you broke up there for a second. Can you just repeat that last part? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, I said the, you know, the Rangers you know, they had a problem last year of having really ice cold starts. And even the last 10 minutes of the game too, they would kind of, the wheels would fall off and they would, you know, give up, you know, valuable points, uh, you know, blow a, a 2-1 lead and then lose in overtime. And they did that to Pittsburgh in the beginning of the season a few times. You know, is this something that Gallant would be able to address? Or do you think this is, you know, the re- those problems were the result of a younger roster, an inexperienced roster? And uh, how do you think New York Rangers as a whole will address that? You know, if that's, is that a gallant thing or is that more of a a roster thing? I think it's kind of both. I I think having a guy like who empowers and makes you feel confident like gallant helps them execute, like have the, the confidence to execute and, you know, hold leads or score tying goals. Whereas micromanager Quinn, where it's like important, I need to do this, but you're also thinking about if I do something wrong, I might, this will affect my ice time next game or this or that. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it'll just another year older, another year in the league, a bunch of those young players have more confidence or something to prove, right? Just naturally. And, but you combine that with a, a coach that really empowers his players and maybe he'll put some people on the ice that you're, that make you say, oh, you know, this is weird. I don't, he's not really, uh, I don't think him defensively, but he's got wheels. Like you see Julian Gauthier in like garbage minutes and you're like, why? But it's like, if there's a loose puck, he's big and strong and he can get it. Maybe he can like, you know, just try to move it down to the other end. And that's a guy I think can really benefit from having Gerard Gallant uh, on this team. You know, it's just, especially, you know, I think Gerard Gallant with Alex Tuck, you have a big, you know, I think, you know, the whole reason, I think uh, Minnesota moved on from Alex Tuck or, or they basically, I think they made a choice in the expansion draft. They're like, well, Jordan Greenway is going to be a better player than Alex Tuck. Right. So they just, they maybe felt he was a bit redundant or didn't think he had the, the upside that Greenway do, did, but you know, fast forward to now and Alex Tuck is clearly the better player. Uh, big, strong, good shot. Not that, and that's not to say Greenway's a bad player at all, but it's just Alex Tuck has really blossomed. And, and a lot of that is because Gerard Gallant had, you know, help develop him and, and instill some confidence in him and play play a very direct style that I think Ranger fans have been clamoring for a guy for, like Kreider to play for years, you know? So yeah, you have to wonder what he can 
is a guy like that who's still young and can be molded into. So yeah, I think like I, to answer your question, I think it's kind of a combination of both. I think he having him in that in behind the bench uh, helps everyone feel a little bit more confident in that they're all there to do a job and not so much like I have to take care of what I have to take care of or else I'm going to find myself, you know, on the outside looking in. And yeah, there'll be another, you know, like I said, the younger guys have another year under their belt. You know, light bulbs start clicking, you know, the, the nerves calm down a little bit in big moments and they don't grip the sticks as hard, you know? No, absolutely. And uh, I think having an, a full 82 game schedule with the preseason will definitely help. You know, the first few games, you know, the Rangers got blown out game one against the Islanders. And you just knew with the roster and, you know, everything leading up to, you know, the NHL season and, and the, um, you know, obviously the COVID protocols and, um, you know, the question marks of, you know, the entirety of the, you know, of the league actually having a season that year. And then them kind of kind of rushing to get everything in place, you know, for a young team that doesn't have a ton of NHL experience, especially for our players, you know, like Kako and, and Lafreniere, um, that, you know, people expect big things from, I, I think that takes a toll. And I think if you, if you, you know, ha- if you have that preseason and you have those guys kind of get used to a, you know, uh, you know, they kind of develop a, uh, not not habits, but a, uh, you know, a pregame ritual, so to speak. I think, you know, you have a better start. uh, You kind of know how to approach games and you kind of know what to expect going into the season. And unfortunately, you know, for the Rangers and the season that they had and the debacle in the locker room and, and, you know, just, you know, everything that went on this year. And, you know, especially if you, you really see that the the veteran players were kind of distant to the head coach you know, what kind of message does that send to the younger kids? You know, who, who do they follow? Do they follow the coach or do they follow the, the veterans like, you know, Zabenejad and Kreider? You know, it's kind of, uh, you know, can play mental games with the younger guys on the roster. So, you know, looking going into next year, I'm very confident that they'll be ready to go and they'll be kind of hungry to go because it's everything's fresh and new right now. Right. You have, you know, new management, new head coach, uh, you know, I'm sure they develop all these young kids developed a relationship with Chris Drury. Uh, and, you know, you know, after, uh, after the NHL draft, I, I really do think once you can start penciling players in, into the slots and, and, and you kind of see how the roster blossoms, I, I think, you know, things will, you know, kind of be clear on how the Rangers are going to approach the season. And, you know, hopefully they approach it with a little bit more, energy and tenacity and have a chip on their shoulder because you know last year was kind of a throwaway season for them and you know I felt like you know some of the coaching decisions you know prohibited from winning certain games Uh, I think you know the style of which they played certainly prohibited them from getting you know valuable points in the in the stretch of the season and I think playing a full 82 game schedule where there's less pressure per game because there's so many um yeah, there's you know there's so many more games now to to gain points and you know a, a five game skid is not you know as effective in a in a 82 game schedule than it is in a 56 game schedule. So you know I think there's just you know a lot less pressure this year you know on some of the younger guys and you know I I think we're ready for for that next step, Andy. Um, the last thing I have for you, you know, if we want to just talk about you know the playoffs, you know. What do you think so far? I mean, Montreal and Vegas, kind of a shocker. You have 
I guess it's no surprise the Islanders and Tampa Bay Lightning tie, tied at two games apiece. Um, you know, g- give me your thoughts on both of those uh, series. Yeah, I mean, like I, I said, or I was talking to you before the podcast we start, we start recording, is that it's no surprise to me that it seems like Tampa and the Islanders are going to go the distance. Uh, that in the dying seconds last night, that save that Pollock made on McDonough was incredible. Uh, what a moment. I mean, which is awesome. I saw it was already making the rounds, not just on hockey social media, but on sports social media. It was, or you know, So I'm sure it'll be on... ESPN and that's the thing the stuff like that is is good because it kind of will help pull some eyes to hockey you know, to the playoffs and to hockey and create new fans um but yeah that's that series has been really good and again when you have a team like the Islanders that are basically just try to wait you know well I but I do to, I will preface by saying I think the Islanders have started to really address what their biggest problem was and they can really open it up when they have to it's just they choose not to. You see, they have, kind of have the players and the horses to do so, but they just kind of, yeah. It, and I think it's for them, a lot of it depends on whether or not they get that first goal. Um, but yeah, I mean, you see the way they, their whole team can shut it down. And even guys on paper like Leo Komarov and Matt Martin, uh, maybe not the most desirable names in the league, but when they're in that system, they walk <laughs> like they, you know, they have, uh, you know, like eight plus inches swinging between their legs. You know, they're just, they, <laughs> they, yeah, they're, it's like they execute the, the game plan that's set for them and they make very little mistakes and the whole team does. And yeah, I mean, so I'm not surprised there. It's, you definitely knew that Tampa, it's one of those things where Tampa's uh, can score goals that other teams in the league simply can't just by the, the nature of having Kucherov and Point and, and, you know, so many other offensive minded guys and plot and Stamkos. But that being said, they also, when they open themselves up to make those plays, sometimes they get caught. And so it's definitely, it's clearly been a very back and forth momentum series with the team that loses the last game has, has them, has the onus to go out and win the next one. And that's what's happened. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, tie series, tied series two, two. So this is going the distance as for the Habs and, and Vegas, really surprising. I mean, it it's on paper it does seem like vegas is dominating however the habs are getting a great goaltending by carry price yep. b not panicking when they're in these situations and you know they there's they seem to be the team of destiny right they have that lady luck thing or like i was talking about earlier on paper maybe they're probably one of like they're a good team in their own right but on paper with the four that are left you don't know if they really are in the same echelon as them however though uh like I said, good goaltending from Carey Price. They're finishing their chances. Cole Caulfield looks like he's a star, which is great. You know, I, I couldn't believe at the time so many teams passed on him just because he was a tiny guy. You know, he's making everyone look stupid. And yeah, I mean, listen, Mark Andre Fleury picked a bad time to have a to have a bad game. You know, those he, that, that that giveaway basically cost oh them the God. game because Vegas yeah. was going to win that game. You know, in in, uh, in game it was a game two. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, so I mean, they listen. They're probably again tonight. We'll see if Vegas wins. I still think Vegas can win the series, but again, the more time goes on, I'm I'm just feeling like Montreal just has that team of destiny feeling, right? They and they play well when they have to, and they're scoring timely goals. And I don't th- I don't think they defend as well as uh the other teams or left in the. The, the playoffs but at the same time vegas top six hasn't done shit they haven't done anything like i haven't seen mark stone 
where Pacioretty, like, yeah, they're getting a lot of goals from the back end, which is great. You know, Petrangelo has been great. Shea Theodore has been great. Um, you know, Josh, uh, excuse me, Alex Tuck has scored some good goals. But yeah, I mean, that the top six, like March or so has been a no-show. Riley Smith hasn't really done much of anything. They, they, they If they don't get going, they're going to lose the series. And that doesn't really bode well. You know, either you have to get, you, it's good to get goals throughout your lineup, but you, you, your best players have to be your best players. And Tampa, yeah, they'll get guys, unsung heroes, chipping goals, but then also they'll have Kucherov and Point just putting up goals, like timely goals too, because they're Kucherov and Point, you know, so you need that. So it's not crazy to think that if they can't, those guys can't get going, or if there's just something about, you know, I know they have Philip uh, Deneau has been shutting those guys down, which has been great. You know, that's his, his bread and butter. Uh, yeah, there's a chance that Montreal could be headed to their, you know, first cup final since, uh, what, they won? What was that, 1993? Yeah, right before the Rangers, right? Yeah, right before the Rangers, yep. All right, so, yeah, we'll see. But uh, the, the games have been good, which is all I cared about. You know, seeing, you know, as much as it pains me to say this, like seeing like a full, you know, Nassau Coliseum and everyone on there. Just, yeah, it's been it's been hype, which has been good. And obviously, ve- the atmosphere of Vegas is crazy right now. And that's good. It's just it really made me it's really made me Jones to go Jones to go back to see a live hockey game when I can next year, because, yeah, it's like you kind of got you got a little acclimated to the the empty seats and the the big ads and just the quietness and the, the piped up noise. But then after watching, you know, the Knicks playoff games and how loud it was and watching um yeah just that rock the raucous atmospheres and some of those arenas in the for the playoffs it's yeah it's maybe miss it but uh the hockey's been good uh i think i really do think it's a coin flip between the islanders and, and tampa i really don't know which way to to pick it uh i would i said tampa going in but again i think the islanders have shown they can open it up and that's been something that's plagued them in the past and they all they've also seemed to be a team that as they they've played they kind of would run out of steam but hey who knows they could possibly get anders lee back at some point you know so uh that's that's the amazing thing because you know he is such a you know a big piece for them and if they get him back and he's healthy and he's able to contribute i mean there's a lot to say about depth and you know a lot of these teams have it you know montreal you know they're kind of one of those teams where you don't lines one through four you don't know, you know, who you're getting, you know, they all, you know, they all buy into the system. They all, you know, contribute and, you know, they play a team game and, you know, the same thing goes for, you know, the New York Islanders. And that's why you see those teams have so much success and, you know, Vegas. Yeah, you're right, man. Those stars need to step up. And, uh, you know, obviously Flurry's a huge factor for them and he, he's usually been a tremendous playoff goaltender and, uh, uh, and that's such a huge piece for them. That you know he's got to get going if they want to have success. And you know you know what kind of sucks. It's like I kind of want to see I want to see Vegas and Tampa go toe to toe. I don't I can't have the Islanders in the Stanley Cup Finals. That will just be a killer because I really do think the Islanders would dismantle either the Golden Knights or uh, the Montreal Canadiens. I just think they play that annoying style, and I don't know if either those two teams have the horses to beat the New York Islanders. And um, yeah, I, I, I need Tampa to come out of this series. And it just, the longer the series goes on, the more I think it belongs to the New York Islanders. And, you know, oh God, it's just, uh, you know, Andy, this isn't good, man. We have the Islanders <laughs> one step away from the Stanley Cup Finals. No, yeah, listen, I, I am a hockey fan. 
uh, first and foremost, I always am apt to say, but at the same time, the Ranger fan in me is yeah, sweating right now. It's like that, that gif of Jordan uh, peel, just absolutely sweating. So yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm like the, I'm like the, the little guy that's sitting in the house and it's all burning. Yeah. This is fine. And, yeah. yeah. This is cause I'm like, yeah, it won't happen. It won't happen. This is fine. It's like, it'll, no, it'll go away. The fire will just go away on its own. It's just, it's, and it's not even the, that on your team. It's just the fans will be insufferable. They'll oh, absolutely. Insufferable as a Rangers fan. Absolutely. Oh, man. It, and, uh, you know, especially now that the nets are bounced out, all sports radio talk is going to be all about the Islanders. Yeah, everyone's an Islanders fan all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, everyone's going to become an Islander fan, and you know, let's bring a championship to the to New York again. And it's like, there's other championships that could be won. I, I don't need it from the. I don't need it from the Islanders. I really don't. Yeah, uh, you know, like you said. Uh, yeah, but it's funny. It's surprise. I'm. Without everything to be made of the, not, I know it's not a basketball podcast, but with the Nets, uh, yeah, couldn't stay healthy, which I think just can, again kind of goes to show that a lot there's so much luck involved with these things because on paper, you know, when you have uh, supposed to, you're supposed to have Kyrie, KD, and, and James Harden, it should be, yeah, should be an easy walk, but uh, yeah, they too many injuries and and uh, the Bucks had Giannis and we saw how that went, so yeah, I mean. It will be interesting to see in the coming weeks if we get some insight into who populates Gerard Gallant's bench. We've already heard rumors slash rumblings that uh, Dan Girardi will potentially be behind the bench as an assistant. Yeah. In yeah. what capacity, I don't know. <laughs> God, I probably coaching the defense, which, oh man. I, I, I'm kidding. I don't know if he'll be doing that, but he might be an eye in the sky or something. But uh, yeah, it'll be real interesting. Um, the draft gets ever closer. Uh, and. Yeah, I, it'll also be interesting to see if any moves get made before the draft. Eichel, I assume, might get moved in the next week or two, potentially. Um, it sounds to me like, or it seems like, uh, Buffalo is trying to get a little bit of a bidding war going, but then there's also teams are leaking. Oh, they're not interested. Ellie's like, we're not interested. Yeah, they're interested. Like, yeah, like yeah, it's you know everyone's interested for the right price. That's the whole point. It's like, so this whole like, oh no, it's like, we're out, we're not, you're not out. Like you're, you don't want to do it for that price. But if you heard they, you know, they said, all right, well, maybe that has to be a B prospect. All of a sudden you're, you're all over it, you know? And then meanwhile, it's like, you're hearing rumblings that, uh, the Sabres value this draft more than others. They think it's like, it can be, uh, exploited, like that they have the, the inside scoop and the inside, you know, on, on the prospects and they've done a better job scouting it and, you know, whatever. It's just game. It's the game within the game and all this. Well, maybe so they that, did. Maybe they had like one guy actually look up like what a mock draft and, and <laughs> read the report and was like, yeah, hey, exactly. With hey, their, guys, with their, their sc- you'd be surprised what's out there right now. And they're like, yeah, really? Yeah. Really? All wow. these players. <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So there's obviously I think for the next week or so or two weeks, we're going to you're going to hear a lot of like rumors like this team wants to do this but this is preventing them or they've they've cooled off on this or they but they might be willing to do this and it's all they all everyone just floats stuff to to get narratives out there and that uh to that are to their advantage and so yeah i'm sure we're gonna hear some crazy stuff over the next uh, couple of weeks and but that's fun it's the that's the some of the best part of the offseason just hearing crazy rumors i mean you heard the the I don't I use the word bombshell pretty loosely, but I think Kevin Weeks was like, yeah, Kirill Kaprizov's in the KHL, and he's kind of talks with him is like, you could tell he's kind of using like, oh, I'm going to go back to the KHL as leverage to get as much money as he can. But 
you know, at the same thing, if I'm a wild fan, I'm, I'm shitting right now. You know, that's, uh, that's Absolutely not, not, not good. I'm shooting. Like I said, he's, I think he's, he's just doing this to get the most money. He'll get his money. But I think maybe if he, if they felt that they were going to try to lowball him a bit, or it's like, Oh, you've only here one season. You know, and he came over a bit later. So if he wants to make money, he's got to make it now. So, uh, you know, more power to him. And those players make money in the KHL. It's not like they go over there and there there's, isn't money to be made. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I think it's like, even though the, they can make more in the NHL, they do lose a good a bit, a bit more to like agents and property taxes and things of that nature and state tax. So, but yeah, they, they, he can make more money here. So, but that, that, you know, he can still live very comfortably in the, in Russia. But I just think if he wants to make the bucks, the big bucks, he's, he wants to do it here. So I think that's why we're hearing all this. Like, oh, well, if he's not happy with how things are going, he's just going to split. So, you know, gate little gamesmanship by him and his team. And that's what this offseason is about, gamesmanship, right? And so, yeah. Uh, and yeah, putting the people, everyone putting themselves in the best position to succeed going to next year. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how these playoffs kind of uh, unfurl themselves. And yeah, I guess we'll, you and I will reconvene uh, for our podcast that drops on Thursday morning. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.